morning, ladies and gentlemen. So glad for you to join us once again on the How to Bible podcast. My name is Levi. I am the host of this podcast. Please start your day off right with us every day on the How to Bible podcast. We discuss everything from parenting, end times events, and everything in between. Join us as we walk in grace and learn in love. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for joining us on another episode of How to Bible. My name is Levi. I'm the host of the How to Bible podcast, and I do appreciate you joining us this evening or morning or day, whatever time it is by you. Start your day off right with us every day. We discuss everything from eschatology, end time events to Christian parenting and everything in between. Join us as we walk in grace and learn in love. This episode here is going to be different than what we've been doing. Uh, We've been going over a lot of uh, evidence for our faith and talking about uh, the existence of Jesus Christ and the proof and the evidences of it. Uh, And because this podcast is listener-supported, listeners bring subjects and topics to me. They they email things in. They uh, if you're on the Anchor app where we're broadcasting, uh, you can actually send in instant messages to our podcast, I get those, and then I build topics off of what it is that you've suggested and recommended. So last night, when I was finishing up our podcast, um, I put it up, and then I got a, a message from somebody on Instagram saying, hey, can you, could you please do a, a discussion on uh, the assurance of faith? And then they proceeded to tell me how they struggle uh, at times, knowing whether or not they're saved, knowing that um, that they're in God's grace. Uh, and and I know that's something that a lot of us struggle with. I know that's something that we all we all deal with on some levels, especially when we're going through the heat of a trial, when we're dealing with the pain, the suffering, the things that are going on. Uh, we really do experience that subtle nudge of us, you know, the devil whispering in our ear saying, you know, you're not saved, God doesn't care for you, things like that. Uh, I've experienced it. I know you have as well. So I wanted to talk briefly about it. I printed out a couple of articles. Um, just real quick, though, I want to cover one more thing. You guys are tuning into the How to Bible podcast. My name is Levi. I'm the host of this podcast. Uh, we've got exciting news. Our podcast has now expanded to multiple different platforms. We're currently on Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast Breaker, uh, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, um, and Google Podcasts. Just look for our logo, the Lion of the Tribe of Judah, with the blue logo. It says HTB. Again, that's HTB Podcast. And uh, go ahead and subscribe to that so you can get notifications of us when we put up podcasts. I try to do at least one every day. Uh, Sometimes we'll get two out. Um, But I want to make sure that we are encouraging, that we're inspiring uh, the Christian body, and that we're giving us um, content and information that we can use, that we just don't consume it, uh, but that we reproduce it, that when we leave and we go out for the day, we're able to share it with other individuals, that we're able to use it as talking points. Uh, And I really try to do this podcast quickly. Usually it's about 30 minutes uh, because I really want to respect your time. Uh, And I want to get this information to you so that you can immediately apply it to your life. With that being said, I pray that the Lord would bless us this morning as we get into this podcast. I pray that as we learn about our security in Jesus Christ, as we learn about our 
assurance in him. I pray that it emboldens you, uh, that you are strengthened. I pray that God would give you the peace and the confidence of knowing that when you're in his hand, you will never, ever be removed from him. What the Lord has put in, uh, in what Jesus has put in God's hand and what God has placed in his own hand can never be taken out, can never be scooped away. The Lord is the one who controls your faith. He's the one who brings you to salvation, and he is the one that holds you to salvation. So, assurance. What's the big deal about assurance? Why is it that we as Christians struggle so much with with the assurance of our faith? Like, why is it that when we are in some of the most difficult circumstances in our life, when we are struggling so much, why is it that we struggle with the understanding or the feeling or the knowledge that God is in fact with us, that we are in fact saved Christian believers? Um, There's a passage in scripture, and I wish I would have looked it up, and I didn't. Um, You can go ahead and use your concordance. You can hop on Google and figure it out. There is a, um, a a section of scripture when, when Jesus is having this dialogue with Peter. Uh, he says, Peter, the devil has asked to personally sift you, but don't worry, I have prayed for you. So I'm not really sure that I would be able to keep my stuff together if Jesus told me that the devil had asked for me personally uh, and wanted to sift me. Uh, I think that's a pretty intense comment. Uh, I think that's a pretty intense statement, and I don't think that I would uh, be able to handle that from the the mouth of Jesus. Um, But think about the illustration for a second, right? So God is saying that the devil wants to sift Peter. Okay, well, we all know what a sift is, right? A sift is like a screened uh, platform. You put uh, debris and rock and whole contents of things on top of this, and then you shake the sift, right, back and forth. Stuff falls out from the bottom, uh, the smaller things, uh, and then on top, what's left behind, like larger chunks, right? So we're separating things. So the devil is is saying that he wants to separate Peter from what? From his faith. He wants to consume Peter's faith. So he wants to sift Peter to get the remains of his faith. The devil came to kill, rob, and destroy. Okay, that's his whole MO. That's what he does. And you hear me say this a lot, but... <clears throat> Have you ever watched the Animal Channel, the Animal Planet, right? Ever watch it during, you know, the, the, the predators of the African safari, right? All these crazy animals out on the, the savanna in Africa, the lions. When they attack and when they're choosing their dinner, when they're sitting down there getting ready to eat, they pick the one creature that is isolated, that's wounded, and is separated from the herd. <coughs> so... Devil does the same thing with us. He sifts us from our faith, separates us from our faith, allows us to feel wounded, um, and then begins to isolate us, and then consumes our faith and consumes our life and destroys us. That's how the devil, that's his plan of attack. That's what he does. If you have sin in your life and you have things going on in your life, um, the devil will utilize that, especially if it's kept in the darkness. If it's not something that you have shared with somebody, that you have not put out there as accountability, the devil will take that thing and he will wreck your life with it, isolate you, and then consume your faith. So I want to take a, a brief look at a passage here in Scripture uh, of another individual who was just a holy roller in his faith. Like, this is the apex of a believer. This is a man who was trained uh, 
by the best schools, by the best educators of the time. He would have been considered an ancient genius, a genius in his time. Uh, and if there was anyone in Scripture, in the Bible, that could brag about anything, it was definitely Paul. Um, most of us understand the conversion from Saul to Paul, where Saul was, uh, Paul was once a, uh, a Pharisee. Uh, he was the one who gave the head nod towards the, the, sti- uh, the stoning of Stephen. Uh, remember in, in Acts, the, the men lay the coats at the feet of this young man, this young up-and-coming Pharisee uh, named Saul at that time. Saul is given uh, authority to go from city to city to find Christians, to round them up, torture them, get them to deny their faith, and then eliminate them. On the road to Damascus, he's encountered, he encounters a vision of the risen Lord. Uh, his eyes, he's blinded. They're like scales that are placed upon his eyes. He's knocked off his donkey, and uh, he ends up going into Damascus completely blind. And God sends a messenger to him to share the gospel with him, to heal him. And then Saul becomes Paul, the prolific teacher, speaker, preacher of the ancient world who would go to synagogues, who would argue and reason with the Jewish believers of that time, who would take the gospel to the Gentiles, that would be you and me. Uh, That's how we got our faith. But this man, who is considered to be, in my mind at least, the, the pinnacle of faith. Like, this is a believer that's confident. He is secure in his faith. Man, he, if there's anything that we can learn, we should be able to learn it from his example. Okay, so let's take a look at it. We're going to be in Romans right now, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 7, verse 14. Today, I am reading from the NLT, uh, so here we go. So, the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I do not do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that, I, that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Okay, so here's this this uh, moment of lamentation where, where he's just like, why am I doing this? Like, I know what is right. I know the right thing to do. And if there was ever a man who knew the right thing, who knew the law totally and completely, it was this man who was the Pharisee of the Pharisee. Like, he was the, the man's man of that time. And he says here, like, I don't understand. I don't understand myself. I want to do what's right, but I don't do what's right. So that's the first step right there. In our situation, when we're talking about struggling with um, things in our lives and the assurance of our faith, it usually starts with something in our life, some situation, some uh, sin in our life. We're like, God, why do I keep doing this? Like, what is my problem? I know that I shouldn't be watching porn. I know that I shouldn't be gossiping. I know that I shouldn't be lying. I know that I shouldn't be stealing. I know that I shouldn't be using drugs. I know that I shouldn't be doing these things, but I can't pull myself away from this. And it was the same situation with Paul where he didn't understand why he couldn't do what he knew was right. And he always and continued to do what was wrong. Let's continue. We're going to be in verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. 
But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. So he's talking about, look, I know what's right. I know what's wrong. I still continue to sin. I still struggle, but it's not me. My heart, my heart is committed to living for God. But you can see the war in the dynamic between the spirit and the body and the flesh. We were made as a, as a mind, spirit, and I'm sorry, a, a flesh, body, and soul creature. The spirit is constantly at war with the flesh. The flesh wants to follow sin. It wants to follow pleasure. It wants to follow the things that feel good. It wants to follow those sinful desires. But the spirit is willing and the flesh is not. So you're going to war with yourself every day until they put your body in the ground, okay? So every day, you are going to struggle. Every day, you are going to fail as a Christian believer, and you're going to sin against a righteous, a righteous judge, a righteous God. That's just the way it's, it's, it's going to be. Until you are freed from this flesh, until you are removed from this body, you will continue to sin. Okay, so first things first, you're not perfect, okay? You are not Jesus Christ. If you were perfect, if you were able to, uh, like James says, hold on to your tongue and keep it in check, then you wouldn't need Jesus. You wouldn't need God. You wouldn't need the Messiah. You wouldn't need the Savior. Okay, you need him because you are fallen, because you are broken, because you're sinful, and you will wage war with that sin for the duration of your life. Verse 21 of Romans 7. I have discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Praise God for the grace of God, for Jesus Christ, for the covering of all the sins in our life. Okay, so if you're struggling with your assurance of faith, first things first, you got to realize you're not perfect. You never will be. Okay, you're going to struggle with sin. It's going to happen. The point is for you um, to be able to endure those things, to fight through those things, to, um, to wage war with those things, uh, and to understand that you're not in control of those sinful desires. Now, that does not mean that we just dive headlong into whatever your selected sin is, whether that be lust or greed or gossip um, whether that be disobedience, uh, any of those things are sinful things. You want the definition of sin? The definition of sin is this. If a man knows what he should do and doesn't do it, it's considered sin. So let's talk a little bit more about assurance. How do we grow in our assurance of faith? How do we know first that we're whether we are in fact saved? I draw a lot of assurance from one specific situation that Jesus was involved in. Uh, this is the situ- This this moment in Scripture um, is something I draw a lot of confidence from. It's something that I draw a lot of assurance from. 
And I've said it many times. It's something that's been really uh, pervasive in my life. It's been really uh, evident in my life in the last several weeks. The thing that I draw a lot of strength from myself is the thief on the cross. Jesus is up. He's being crucified on the hill. There are one thief on his left and one on his right. One is hurling abuses at him, saying, look, if you're the Messiah, save us all. Rescue us if you can. There, he's, he's joined in with the mocking. <clears throat> and then there's the other thief. The other thief on the cross is defending Jesus. And he says to the other thief, he says, look, we're getting what it is that's owed to us. I'm paraphrasing. You can look this up, okay? You are, we are getting what it is that we deserve. We are getting, um, we are getting the full judgment of the law. We are being condemned for what we've done. Now, crucifixion was reserved for the greatest of crimes. Most of the time was insurrection, being a terrorist, being a, uh, a person who was trying to overthrow the Roman government. Uh, so it's a good possibility that these two men live their lives sinfully looking for ways to overthrow the government, causing chaos. Uh, there were some accounts saying that these individuals, these zealots, um, had a habit of going into the marketplace and finding Roman soldiers and slitting their throats from behind in broad daylight, causing total fear. Um, so these were not your normal political activists. These were rebellious, tyrannical terrorists who wanted to inflict fear into the hearts and minds of the soldiers of Jerusalem and of Israel. So these zealots were, were, were bad. These guys were, were, these guys were hardcore, okay? So they're on the crosses next to Christ. They're crucified. One mocks him. The other one rebukes the mocker and says, we're getting what we deserve. Then he turns and looks to Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. That's all he says. He doesn't say, Father, forgive me. He doesn't say, I know that you're some, I know that you're the Messiah. Um, you know, please accept my soul. He doesn't say any of those things. He doesn't say, please baptize me. He doesn't say, I'm going to live a life of good works. I'm going to try really hard. He doesn't say any of that. He says, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Jesus turns to him and he says, surely I tell you tonight you will be with me in paradise. That is to say that the man on the cross who was not baptized, who did not live a good life, who did not pledge good works, who did not admit to having a lifetime of struggling with sin and having good days and bad days, was welcomed into the kingdom of heaven because of his repentive heart. Because he turned to Jesus in full repentance and said, remember me, Lord, when you enter your kingdom. That's the point, guys. Being repentive, asking for forgiveness for the sins and things that we have committed, that's what gets us into the good graces of God and into heaven. So how do we grow in assurance? How do we grow in our knowledge that we are, in fact, saved? I want to read you a couple of things from this article from Desiring God. The, it is called, the article is called, How, to, How God Gives Assurance. All right, by, but like most things in the Christian life, assurance is something that is cultivated and grows deeper and stronger over time. It is a gift that God gives us according to Newton, this, this author gradually through frequent testing. So it would seem that the avenue in which God chooses to grow our assurance is through personal struggle in our faith. Here's a quote. Assurance grows by repeated conflict, by our repeated experimental proof of the Lord's power and goodness to save. 
when we have been brought very low and helped, sorely wounded and healed, cast down and raised up, had given up all hope and had been suddenly snatched from danger and placed in safety. And when these things have been repeated to us and in us a thousand times over, we begin to learn to trust simply to the word and the power of God beyond and against appearances and this, and this trust. When habitually and strong bears the name of assurance, for even assurance has degrees. So what, what Newton is saying is here is that your, your assurance, being assured of your faith, being assured in your, your salvation with God is done through repeated struggle constant, repeated struggle. You're always going to be fighting. You're always going to be brought low, and then God is going to raise you up. Basically, you're testing God in these things. You're testing his ability. So God will throw you into a circumstance, a conflict, a sickness, a death, a trial, a struggle, a bankruptcy. You cling to the cross, and the Lord raises you up, and then you remind yourself later on of how God has lifted you up in the past. If you feel like you're struggling right now, do what James says, count it as pure joy, because the testing of your faith will help develop perseverance. And when perseverance is full grown, it brings you to completion and maturity in your faith. Okay? So the first thing you need to understand if you're struggling with your confidence in, in your faith is that, one, you're human and you're going to struggle. Two, that the only way you're going to grow in your assurance of your faith is going through struggle and three, when you are going through a struggle, you cling to the cross. You cling to the promises of God. Promises like, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay? Zephaniah 3.17, he will sing songs over you. He will calm you with his, his singing. Okay? These are promises that God has spoken into our lives so that in the moments of trial, struggle, uh, we can look back on those things. Assurance grows through spiritual conflict. It's why Paul writes, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, which is the same word for steadfastness, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So here's the progression, right? So we know that our suffering produces endurance, right? You endure, you suffer through it, you, you put your head down, you grit your teeth, you push through, and that endurance produces character. That character is, okay, I've been through things, I'm wearing these things, I'm, I'm aware of what um, what it, what this thing does when you when you, you characters like building muscle you're you're building you're building personal um, visceral internal character muscle like you're putting skin in the game and that character produces hope you've been through something now your character testifies to the fact that you struggled and that there's hope okay and it's why the author of Hebrews reminds us here it is this is Hebrews twelve seven and eight. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are an illegitimate, you are illegitimate children and not sons. Okay, so think about it. All of us have parents. Maybe we got good parents, maybe we got bad parents, doesn't matter. At some point in our time when we were youth, we were disciplined. We did something wrong. We stepped out of line. We got a spanking. We got grounded. We were chastised for something we did. And that, cha that discipline, that chastising should have corrected our position 
and it's not done in hateful anger because our parents can't stand us. Uh, I know for myself, when I chastise my son, when I discipline my son, oftentimes I follow it up with, I'm doing this because I refuse to raise an adult child. I refuse to raise a human being that's going to go into the world and be like the rest of the world and protest and whine and think things are just supposed to be given to them because it's not. It's not. If you think that you know, the government is just supposed to give you money because you exist or there, you have a right to a job or you have the right to freedom or you have you have you don't have any rights. If you want something, if you want something that is rightfully supposed to be yours, it's death. Death belongs to you because you're a sinner. That's all you deserve. That's it. But God gives us grace. And through that grace, we experience all these other things that we don't deserve. So if you find yourself protesting like I deserve that, you don't deserve anything. You deserve what you're willing to work for. Are you willing to work for a better life? Then you work for it. You fight for it. You work your fingers down to the bone like every other American has in, in the history of existence, in the history of the existence of our country. They've worked hard for it. They fought through it, uh, and they earned it. Every single shred and piece of it, they earned. So you earn those things. So you earn your assurance through suffering and enduring. The discipline of enduring trials and suffering ends up proving that we are God's children. And through, for, and though through the for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Hebrews twelve verse eleven. We need this. We need the struggle. We need the questioning. We need the wrestling of our faith. We need the the endurance of our faith. This is something we need and something we need to work through and we need to fight through. So you need to persevere. Why has God designed the process of giving us a growing assurance of faith through enduring trials? Newton answers it this way. He says, we cannot be safely trusted with assurance till we have the knowledge of the evil and the deceitfulness of our heart, which can be acquired only by painful, repeated experience. We can't be trusted with assurance. Okay, it's the same thing. If I, if I were just to give my son money when he asked for it, he wouldn't value it. Uh, it wouldn't be valuable to him. It wouldn't be useful to him. It would just be a trinket, and he would throw it around. How do I know this? Because he's got an entire room full of toys that were just given to him that lay fallow in there in buckets and bins and under things and covered in food and boogers and whatever else uh, school-age kids do. Likewise, with our faith, um, we need to we need to earn earn the confidence and earn the assurance by suffering that God uses this because we cannot be trusted until we have an understanding of how wicked our heart actually is through many dangers, toils and snares. Newton spoke of assurance from experience. He said in mercy, God has frequently stirred up my nest, shaken me in it and forced me to fly to him. Then, or so when I should otherwise have dropped into sleep and security. For Pastor Newton, the sweet God-given gift of assurance looked much like the verse, like verse three of his famous hymn, Amazing Grace. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come, for grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Look, let me let me just close with this, ladies and gentlemen. We don't deserve anything. What we do deserve is death. We deserve death because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
But God gives us assurance in our faith through suffering, through trial, through struggle. One, remember, you're human. Paul struggled with doing what's right and doing what's wrong every day of his life. Two, cling to the cross when you have those moments. You cling to the promises of God. God is faithful. He's true. He doesn't change. He doesn't break his promises when he says that he will not leave you nor forsake you, that he has a plan for your life, one of prosperity and not one of death or failure. Trust that. Now, prosperity doesn't mean health, wealth, and you know life is going to be good. It means that he's going to prosper you in your faith. So if you get cancer, you may die. You may pray for healing, and you may not receive it in the way that you think you're going to get it. Our job is to maintain our faith by clinging to the cross. Remember that if you're struggling with your faith, you're in a good place. Okay, you're in a good place because you are developing endurance, which will help lead to perseverance, and that perseverance will produce character, and that character will produce hope. And then when you go through another one, you'll have that hope to lean on, to endure again, to persevere some more. You'll build some more character, and you'll have more hope. You will continue to struggle for the duration of your life. But ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, remember that God assures us of our faith and our security in him by allowing us to go through these things. So if you're struggling with your faith, good. Good. Struggle. Wrestle with God. God loves you with a a never-ending Uh, eternal love. He cares for you. He's provided for you. If you're listening to this podcast, you are alive and God wants you that way. Trust in him. Trust in his promises to you. I would encourage you to read Zephaniah 317 and apply that to your life because God cares for you. Remember that if the Lord is with us, who can be against us? Who can stop us? No one can stop us. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe. If you're on YouTube, you will see the video up there. If you're listening to us on a podcast channel, please share this podcast because everybody needs to hear this. Everybody needs to hear it. Listen to uh, Scripture. Listen to the promises of God. If you need full assurance, look at the thief on the cross and realize it was just him asking God to remember him when he entered his kingdom that got him into heaven. We have so much more. We are alive. And so far as we know, we have some time ahead of us. So I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. And let's uh, listen to a quick 30-second 30 30 blip of Andy Minio's You Can't Stop Me.